Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. Oop, Mikkel just got kicked out. She'll have to, get to click the link again here and come on. Um, while she's working on that, um, just to maybe go over a few little things. Uh, we love that you guys are listening. We love that you're tuning in. Uh, she'll be back with us here in just a moment. Um, if you want to check out the podcast, almostawakened.org, there's resources on there. There are plenty of places uh, to kind of see what we're doing. We've got a really fascinating uh, webpage uh, on Reddit, uh, subreddit. Uh, Mikkel, good morning to you. You disappeared there for a minute. I know. I got kicked out or something. All of a okay, sudden, well, it just disappeared and a commercial started playing. And then she vanished and came back. So here she is. Uh, this morning, I thought we had some really cool things to talk about. And I wanted to start off. Uh, I'll change here the background so people can get kind of a feel for this. But... Um, and I'll share my screen and we can talk about something that, uh, that was in the news that our friends shared this week. We're always how the world's changing and what the data is. Um, so there you've got it. A woman accidentally took 550 times the normal dose of LSD. Um, and this story is fascinating in that she, this this teenager accidentally ingests 10 times the normal recreational dose of LSD. There's a couple of different stories here. 26-year-old who overdosed on the same drug, not knowing she was pregnant. A woman who took 550 LSD doses all at once, mistaking it for another drug entirely. And each of these people have fascinating positive health results. Some of them have lifelong ailments go away. Some of them um, make deep connections uh, with with their awareness of things. Like um, it says, like for instance, for several hours after overdose, AV experienced erratic behavior, followed what looked like a seizure. Um, Her father observed that daughter appeared to be completely recovered from her mental health concerns after the overdose. She overcomes mental uh, health issues by taking LSD. Your thoughts, Mikkel, just on some of the groundbreaking things that are happening with these medicines making connections in our brain that um, address lifelong issues and seem to allow our bodies and brains to fix things that couldn't be fixed before. I think it's fascinating. Um, Kelsey and I watched uh, like a, a documentary or series, something on Netflix called The Mind Explained, and it was talking about how LSD even was invented. And the guy who invented LSD... You'll have to look it up because I can't, I can't remember the specifics, but he created it on accident and before testing it on anything or anyone else, he took it himself. And um, the first time he took it, he took what he thought was a small amount, but it ended up being a massive amount of LSD and recorded his thoughts in a journal. Um, and he, he reports that the first time he took it, he tried to ride his bike home and the ground <laughs> yeah. felt wavy and... Um, it's it's just so interesting to me, and the mind explained also goes into why why some of these substances were then banned by the FDA and why they're considered 
illegal drugs today. And I think, I think it's all bullshit. I wish that we could change. Um, I wish we could change things. Yeah. Uh, LSD is a deeply potent drug in that a deeply potent psychedelic in that, as you pointed out, you need so little of it, just like uh, micro uh, grams or whatever they, whatever they measure drugs in. It's yeah. this micro, small little dose. How do, how do they measure it and how do people take it? Well, when I was a teenager, I took LSD. Um, it was called a blotter. And so it was just this little tiny piece of paper and it was always stored in foil because the, the drug could never escape out of the foil. So it was a nice way to keep it from contaminating sure. over. Like if you just kept it in your pocket and you're, and you got some kind of moisture in your pocket from having something else in your pocket, whatever it was sweat. like it. Yeah. Sweat. It could transfer over and you could, you could suddenly be impacted by the drugs. So it was huh. kept wrapped up in aluminum foil. And uh, it was just this tiny, tiny little piece of paper and you just put it on your tongue and then you just wait. And then about a half hour, 45 minutes later, I started to feel my environment was changing, even though I knew my environment actually wasn't changing. It was just my perception of my environment. Like and I went back to, way? I'm just, I'm super um, intrigued. Colors became more dramatic. Uh, things moved. I remember specifically sitting on the couch in my cousin's living room. Him and I are watching uh, MTV music videos. Mm-hmm. And this is back in the nineties when they had all this like bright colors and um, uh, different like heavy metal videos on MTV would have like uh, kaleidoscope type designs to their videos. And I would see, uh, those colors come off the television, bounce off the wall. So I would see red That's come weird. out of the TV and That's bounce weird. off the wall and then bounce off another wall. And I would just watch this visual performance that was just gorgeous. Um, there was one video in particular where there was this snake and the snake was just like on the screen. And as I'm sitting there and watching it, this snake starts to come out of the screen towards me. And me and my cousin both at the same time are seeing this three-dimensional thing when it's really not. And we both put our legs out to like push the snake away, like get away from the snake. (laughs) And uh, I don't, I I remember having like different kinds of thinking, but I didn't have any kind of crazy thoughts. I didn't think about jumping off a roof or, you know, running in front of a moving car or, you know, it wasn't anything stupid like that. It was, it was almost like you're accessing new parts of your brain and Mm -hmm. thinking about things in a, in a new way. Um, you know, I think you've read Michael Pollan, right? No, I haven't. You haven't. How to Change Your Mind. Fascinating book. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be interesting to watch how these these drugs, whether it's uh, MDMA and PTSD, whether it's uh, LSD and psychedelic mushrooms, uh, it's going to be interesting kind of watching how these drugs unfold. Cannabis is sweeping the country. Mushrooms are now legal in Colorado. It's going to be interesting to watch how these drugs sweep the country and things become legalized because we now learn rather than being schedule one and not having any health benefit. That's what schedule one is. They're dangerous and they have no health benefit. The reality is for a half dozen to a dozen of these, there's not only health benefit, there is no harmful effect. You literally can take as many psychedelic mushrooms as you want and you're not going to die. Um, you're not going to cause some kind of adverse health effect with your body. And everybody is noting in 2020 that there are positive effects from taking these that make you a better human being. So it's going to yeah. be fun to see where this goes. It is going to be fun. It's, it's super interesting to me. Um, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see where all of this goes. Bill, there's, 
when we went to New Orleans, they said that marijuana was not legal. It's so they've decriminalized it. It's not illegal to possess, but it's illegal to distribute. So, it, when you say that it's it's not illegal in places like Colorado, you know, mushrooms, is it just that they won't prosecute you if you have it on your on your person, or is it really not illegal? So. For instance, let's use Las Vegas and talk about cannabis. In okay. Vegas, there are dispensaries. Right. And these are little stores that you can walk into that sell just cannabis and cannabis products. Um, so you can go into a dispensary and you can purchase cannabis illegally. You can use it. Um, you can't be using it in public spaces. Like you can't like pull your, uh, like your vape pen out regular. at the restaurant. Right. right. Um, and you can't go selling it like to other people. You have to buy it from the dispensary and use it personally. Okay. You can't just go around distributing it. So yeah, certain parts of that are still legal. But in Colorado, they now have mushroom dispensaries. And you so can go similar. to the dispensary and buy psychedelic mushrooms. Hmm. And no, you, I don't think you can just walk out on the street and sell your bag of mushrooms to another guy. Um, but you can access the mushrooms. You can use them. And you can then enjoy the, uh, the net benefit from those. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, um, and, and it is really cool stuff. But and by the way, I'm just I'm overcoming food poisoning. I was suffering from a severe uh, problem of food poisoning yesterday. Before you and I went on, we were talking about it. Um, yeah, well, tell us, tell us. Yeah, so yesterday morning for breakfast, I had my Red Roca coffee. Red Roca, you're not the problem. Coffee was great. Coffee is never the you problem. You got yours too. Look at that. So the coffee's not the issue. At lunchtime, I eat Wendy's. You think Wendy's would be the problem. I get the four for four, chicken nuggets, French fries, bacon cheeseburger, and a uh, uh, iced sweet uh, sweet tea. I eat all that. I'm great. I'm eating at noon. I get off work at 6.30 because we're a little late at work. I get home by 7. And I enjoy, you know, we're in southern Utah, and there's all these cookie places. They make these fresh, big, soft cookies. And uh, there's a box of cookies sitting at my house. So I grabbed the peanut butter cookies. I love peanut butter cookies. Listeners, if you want to send cookies, I love peanut butter. And uh, although I'm, I'm, there's one more peanut butter cookie in this box and I'm scared to death of it. I <laughs> ate this cookie and I hadn't eaten dinner yet. We ended up eating Subway. You would think like, okay, it's Wendy's or Subway. Mm -mm. I, I, I bet I know cookie. what it is. I eat the cookie and about five minutes later, I start burping <laughs> like rotten egg smell and taste. Oh, like sulfuric. That's uh, Sulfuric like gases <laughs> are building in the pit of my belly. It's and over from Hash House. No, no, I know. We got to get to that. <laughs> We've got to talk about Hash House. Uh, hash House a go go. Um, but uh, I so so the stomach issues. But I never threw up. I'm like ah. Oh. But I could I could I knew in my head where this process was going. I'm like I think I'm going to be good by morning. But I know what's got to happen before we get there. <laughs> And about, I don't know, probably 1 a.m. or so, um, I began having explosive diarrhea. Oh, and, you know, no, like, look, again, let's be vulnerable. This that. podcast is about honesty and authenticity no, and vulnerability. There are certain parts that it's okay to keep to yourself. Uh, explosive like. diarrhea. <laughs> like to the point where I'm really no. nervous about coughing. I think I'm over it, but I'm nervous <laughs> about coughing this morning. Like I if I sneezed. And if, I, if I sneeze, I've got an extra pair of underwear in the car. If I sneeze, it is on. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, it, it's, it's all right. We'll, we'll move off this topic. But yeah, it's it's atrocious. Um, tell us about our hash house experience. Uh, we've oh been there several God. times at this point. So a group of us decided to get together last Sunday for brunch. 
there were 10 of us, 12, something like that. And we had gotten there early and, and let them know that, you know, we were having a large group come. And um, we waited. We were supposed to wait 45 minutes. We ended up waiting probably 30 minutes or so. So we get seated. And um, just before Bill and Amanda came, because they, they came a little bit late, we got our menus. I think you guys showed up 15 minutes after we were seated or so. So probably just yeah, before probably. you came, we got our menus and introduced to our server. And it was probably a good 20 minutes before he came back to take our order. And it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was terribly busy. They were busy, but I'd, I'd seen them busier. Um, and then it was, you know, another good 30 minutes before we started getting our food. And I didn't get my food until 45, 30 to 45 minutes after everybody else at the table got their food. So it was me and another, it was Ryan, our friend Ryan, who didn't get his food until really late either. But I was the last one to get my food. So just really poor service. Um... I went up and talked to the manager and let her know, like, look, our waiter hasn't come around to refill our coffee. He hasn't come around to refill water. He hasn't come around to check on us. You know, I got my food super, super late, way after everybody else did. I, everybody at the table was done eating but by the time I got my food. And all she could tell me was, oh, I'm really sorry. Um, I'll look into it. And then she came back with all of our checks and um, I was expecting some type of compensation, you know, from the poor service on reflected on our on our ticket, and there was nothing. And um, when I was talking to Kelsey this morning, she said somebody else in our group went up and and talked to the manager as well. And again, nothing, no, nothing was done. Um, and as we're getting ready to leave, um, she proceeds to come around and hand us coupons to be used the next time we come around, and. Yeah. I was pissed. I, uh, I, so having been there numerous times now, I don't know, five, six, seven times, the menu is beautiful. The menu really presents this beautiful looking food. And, and every time we've been there, it's just not been that great. Like, I think one time we got their BLT sandwich, it was fantastic. Uh, other than that, it just wasn't that good. And you're right, the service was atrocious that morning. And, <clears throat> you know, we, we all go to dinner quite a bit from you know i guess from time to time anyway and we're not the kind of people who are complaining or you know needing a free meal or whatever but this was just one of those instances where it was really that bad and they could have made it right and instead it was like a five dollar off ticket for your next visit yeah um it, it just wasn't very useful so bill like you're in a, an industry where you interact with people a lot and i'm sure that you come across people that um get upset so like what what is good customer service and how do you resolve c concerns when people come in and and they are upset yeah so anytime you're dealing with a customer and you're trying to figure out like okay the customer's not happy they're having uh, they've had up to this point a bad experience with our product with our customer service whatever it is i'm always trying to think long term like i want to maintain that person's business right i want to keep them coming back to my store Right, And so I try to figure out some way to give them uh, a reason to keep giving us a chance to try again. So um, if it's a matter of giving a refund, if it's a matter of uh, switching them over to a different product with no hassle, if it's a matter of giving them a $10 gift card to the movie theater or a $20 gift card to the store, um, it, whatever it takes, and you don't stop 
the conversation until you feel like you fix things to the point where the person forgives and is willing to give your company and your product another chance. Right. I think it goes a long um, way when, especially if you, if you're wrong, if you can admit like, Hey, yeah, we did mess up and you know, sorry about this and here's how we're going to fix it and make it right. But it's when people aren't even willing to acknowledge or admit that they've made a mistake or that their service has been less than um, stellar that makes me not even want to give them another chance. Like the $5 coupon was not going to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming back. You wouldn't even acknowledge that service was shitty. Yeah. In, in the restaurant business, you're lively. I mean, you know, what is it? Half of restaurants close in the first year after opening. Now hash house, a go-go is a, as a nationwide restaurant chain. Um, But you would have expected them to go like, look, let me cut your bill in half. Let me, let me, you know, let me, uh, do this or let me do that. There, there could have been a dozen ways to do it and they just didn't. And again, the, the menu looks beautiful. The food has never really been that great to me. And so I, I don't see how I'm probably wouldn't want to go back unless somebody else in our group or some other person going, choosing where we go to dinner is just really wanting to go there. Uh, can't yeah. see myself going back again. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk a moment this morning about some shadow work. And let me, I want to ask you if you ever do this, and I'm talking mostly the first half of life, but if you want to admit to you that you do it now, you can. Um, when when you get into a serious fight with your partner, mm-hmm. and you're just arguing, you're having a you're having it out, and you're trying to figure out what's what's right, and what's wrong, and who's right, and who's wrong, and trying to figure out how to de-escalate things, but also be heard. Do you ever do you ever like you have to go use the restroom at midnight or whatever, and you're still in this discussion with your partner? Do you ever get up and go use the restroom and say like I could tell them I'm going to the restroom? But I want them. I want them. I want to leave them thinking maybe I'm going to the couch. Maybe I'm gonna just walk out of here and get in my car and drive away for an hour. Maybe I want them. I want them to be worried that I'm gonna do something uh, other than just go to the bathroom. So I'm not gonna tell them what I'm doing. You ever do that? Have you ever done that? No, Bill. Okay. That's what? Just no. Mean. <laughs> the first half of life, of I did this shit all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah, Kelsey. <clears throat> Kelsey. I'll and leave her I... thinking. We made an agreement that if we're mad, we will never leave. So if that means um, we stay in the same bed but don't touch, that's that's what happens. Because there have been uh, at least one or two times that I remember that I got in the car and drove away. And same with Kelsey. And that feeling, it, like it's not worth the damage that it does to the relationship I know how I feel. I know how I felt when Kelsey got in the car and drove away. Um, it's so devastating. So we we made a pact that we would never do that. Yeah. So I don't do that anymore. I just I noticed it last night. I'm, I'm in the middle of being sick, and we're having a a debate that has moments of being a little escalated. And as we're having this back and forth conversation, I have to go to the restroom because I've got explosive diarrhea. <laughs> but but it's at a moment where. I could be going out to the couch to get away from her. I could be just, you know, stepping away from her to essentially like go be alone. And and because our fight has come to that. And I just, it was like a no brainer, like, Hey baby, just so you know, here's where I'm going. And it feels like, like, why would I, why was I so shitty on the first half of life that I would want somebody to be left up in the air about where I'm going and what I'm doing, man, I just, in that moment, I'm like, wow, you got it right now. And you're, you're probably gonna get it right for the rest of your life. 
but you were a piece of shit. Yeah, that's uh, a dick you move. were a really piece. Of, yeah, you were a piece of shit ten years ago. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, so Kelsey, so you guys never do it now. Um, no, I, I I mean, I can't say we're perfect at it. Kelsey and I got in an argument on New Year's Eve, and I drove away with her chasing after me. So I still do dick moves. I'm, yeah. I'm, it, it hasn't happened since then. And, you know, lots of conversation since then about, like, what what's the healthiest way to, to do things. And we've had fights since then where I can, you know, I recognize that behavior in myself. And so it's just a matter of not doing that shit anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, noticed, I noticed something um, yesterday. This was really interesting to me, Bill. Um, I was at work. And I had one of the other doctors come up to me and he said, hey, Mikkel, I can I talk to you for a second? And I noticed in that moment, which was super fascinating, that every time someone calls my name, like, hey, Mikkel, or Mikkel, or can I talk to you? Inside, immediately what happens is panic. I, I'm right into panic mode. And it's often, as I was thinking about it yesterday, a result of... Um, my childhood and conditioning that I received in my childhood that if my parents only only ever talked to me when I was in trouble and so immediately that's where that panic comes from is I immediately think I'm in trouble for something and so this doctor he all he all he wanted was to ask me if I would help him with he had a couple of students and he didn't want to have two students at the same time and could I take one of his students but as he was as he was asking me that um, I noticed that about myself and so it's it's interesting um because not every time someone wants to talk to me am i going to be in trouble and i need to not go to panic mode Mm. yeah i do that too when um when i feel like a there's a chance that a serious conversation is about to take place where some extension of criticism is going to happen um i get some anxiety inside and I start putting up walls about how I'm going to handle this. How am I going to handle this when it comes? Like as mm-hmm. soon as they drop the bomb, I'm going to, I need to, I need to, you know, respond uh, in a way that's both defensive of me, but also respectful of the other person. And sometimes we're just better off not doing that, but our bodies can't not do that. Right. Like it takes years of working out of that habit to maybe achieve that. Yeah. And it, it was interesting because the doctor looked at me and he was like, it's okay. Cause he must've seen something on my face that indicated like fear or something Cause he was like, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad about anything. Um, but it just, it just like a spark went off in my head and had some realization. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, in a moment, we're going to talk about a no. story that is super controversial, super I... controversial. <laughs> and you and I are on disagreeing sides of this and it's, there's parts of the story that maybe make you kind of, cringe. I don't want to say chuckle, you make sure but cringe. You've got- and no, and but, but you really have to test kind of where and you and I haven't told you officially, but you know where I'm going. I do. So people, so listeners, the seven of you that are watching right now, please stay tuned. I promise you, it's going to be worth it. Um, but before we get to that, Mikkel, you, uh, you and your daughter went to something called a, a maturation program. Yeah, a maturation program, which I'm sure most people in Utah are familiar with. And maybe even other places, but it's it's usually put on in fifth or sixth grade, and they separate the boys and and the girls, and so the girls are all in one classroom or area, and the boys are in another, and um, you have a parent come with you, and and what they do is they go over some of the very 
basics of puberty. And um, so I, my first daughter, this is horrible, like super bad mom fail. My first daughter that's now 15, um, when she had her maturation program, I completely spaced it. So she was at this maturation program with all of her friends. They're, all their moms are there. She waited and waited and waited, and I was nowhere to be found. Completely spaced it. I feel horrible. So my second daughter, her maturation program was this week, and she reminded me all week, Mom, you're coming to my program, right? Mom, don't forget. Mom, you're going to be there, right? Mom, don't forget. So I, I go to the school yesterday, and it was horrible, Bill. Tell me about it. Like, I want to hear, because I grew up in Ohio, and, you know, sometime in whatever it was, fourth or fifth grade, they tell you, like, all right, masturbation's normal, and here's how you have, you know, this is what sex does, and here's how the parts work. And Yeah, this is this is nothing like that. So tell me about it. I'm, I'm, like, really interested, because I don't even know what my kids, I never saw my kids do this here. Um, they would have all done this back in Ohio. I have no clue what this looks like. Oh, my gosh. So we're in a classroom. An older school nurse gets up and she says, "Um, we're just going to watch a video. It's going to talk about puberty. It's probably going to make you uncomfortable, but it's okay. It makes everybody uncomfortable. Then she sits down, like no explanation about why it's going to make you uncomfortable, that it's normal, you know, trying to put kids at ease. So she sits down, she starts a, a, like an 18 minute video that she was on YouTube Um, and it goes over the very, very basics of what puberty is. So it just basically says, you know, you've got hormones like estrogen and it causes some changes in your body. Girls get taller, they get some underarm hair, um, and your leg hair might grow a little bit longer and thicker and you have hormone changes. So that can sometimes make you more moody and irritable. But make sure you get good sleep, make sure you get plenty of water, make sure you exercise, make sure you get good nutrition, and just super, super basics about a period. So, you know, it talked a little bit about the uterus, and the it mentioned, I think, maybe once or twice the, the fallopian tubes and the ovaries, and that an egg travels from the... Uh, an egg travels from the ovary to the fallopian tube and into the uterus, and sometimes it's fertilized by a sperm, but no explanation about how the sperm gets there, no explanation about where the sperm comes from, just that maybe a sperm will fertilize an egg, and if it does, it'll implant into a uterus and grow a baby. And if it doesn't, then all of that comes out, and that's how you have a period. Uh, then, then she gets, <laughs> she, she passed out papers for the kids to write questions down. If they had questions that they were too embarrassed to raise their hand and ask, then after the video, she had everybody pass their papers in. And the only question somebody asked, and I hated her response, the only question somebody asked was, why do we need new, good nutrition when we're kids? And her response was, um, you need good nutrition when you're a kid because it'll help you more when you get to be an adult because it's all downhill after that. And I was like, what? That's horrible. Wow. So first off, you we ought to tell these girls, look, for the rest of your life, you're going to bleed out of your vagina. It's yeah. going to suck. It's going to suck. Prepare yourself now. It's going to suck. <laughs> um, and obviously, we live in Utah, right? So the, the state is ran by this religion. Um, and so masturbation, for instance, is wrong. So the schools are so limited in being able to just be healthy Right. About these things. So Jolene here has got a couple of comments. 
She says the boy one was horrible too. It was a cartoon video of how the mail system worked. Um, she also said here, the, the vice principal got on the boys for making sure not to laugh because it's not funny. And here I was <laughs> laughing because the video was so ridiculously it's, funny. The, the video was actually not too, too bad. It was um, kids kind of interacting with each other and asking questions. And then like a scientific person would answer, but it, it, we came home and, and Kelsey and I are pretty open with our kids. We try to use correct terminology and, and talk to the kids about stuff. And so we, we have a book and it's called, it's not the stork, which is a fantastic book. And, um, so Ella and I came home and, you know, I, I was asking her if she had any questions, if she was curious about anything, if she needed more information, she said, no, um, she wanted to get on YouTube and watch some more videos. And so I let her get on YouTube and, um, there was a video about how the male, reproductive system and puberty works, which they didn't even go into any detail for the girls. Like it's so bullshit. And she was sitting at the table next to me and she looked over at me cause they said the word penis and she looked a little bit embarrassed. And I said, Ella, it's okay. It's okay for you to understand what's happening to boys' bodies. It's okay for you to hear and even say the word penis. It's not anything bad. It's not anything to be embarrassed or ashamed about. And her so she got home from school first and then Maggie and Parker who are nine and seven came home and she was on the computer watching some of these videos and I have the cutest picture of them. They're all gathered around the computer watching these videos about puberty. And, um, one of the videos mentioned masturbation and the kids were like, what's that? And, and then they pulled out the, it's not the stork book and started looking through it. And they've spent probably at least an hour looking through the book and, talking amongst themselves. It was cool. The, but the masturbation program. Just, uh, I just shared the link for the book on Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I just shared the book, book and I was trying to find. Yeah. It talks about how there's all kinds yeah, of. Yeah. Let me X that out. Cause so it was, it was causing a little bit of slowness. It talks about how they're, you know, some kids live with their grandparents. Some kids are adopted. Some kids have two dads. Some kids have two moms. Some kids have step families. And it's, it just was, it's cool because it goes into detail about what's different about boys' bodies, what's the same, you know, comparing male and female bodies and um, how things work. And yeah, I just think we do a huge disservice um, to kids when, yeah. when we don't talk about it. Like very little conversation about masturbation, I'm sure. Probably nothing. N- none at the school. Uh, I'd be interested. Jolene says she was there for the boys' Uh, maturation program. I'd be curious if they had any conversation about masturbation uh, with the boys. Um, man, it's such a normal part of being a human. And yet because of the religious influence in uh, our, ge- our geographical location, these things are taboo and you can't even approach them. So in Ohio, we were told that we were told masturbation's normal. Uh, we were told that, you know, that uh, Jolene, for instance, here says no conversation about masturbation at all. Just on wet dreams. Yeah, we, we covered that when I was a kid in Ohio. We covered masturbation in Ohio. Uh, we talked about safe sex. We talked about pregnancy. We talked about how easy it is to get pregnant and that we need to be responsible. And um, we humans try to avoid the tough topics and we try to avoid healthy ways of talking about things. And I think it rears its ugly head later on. Yeah. When um, we don't prepare kids. Um, so overall kind of a waste of time, probably. Yeah. It, we were there 30 minutes, uh, they 30, the 30 minutes 
and most of it was just waiting for everybody to get settled in the classroom. The video was 18 minutes. Yeah. Kids, we're going to show you a video that is whitewashed and simplified compared to the other 49 states. Um, but is this video still going to make you uncomfortable because it's going to conflict with the taboo and awkwardness of the unhealthy system you belong to on Sunday? <laughs> oh, that's something else I want to talk about. Please. So I, I messaged you this week because I was having a, an, a fit of anger um, because of the religious system that um, we grew up in and that our, our children are still a part of because of their fathers. Um, they, there's a lot of conflict. Um, for example, one of our kids um, was in an absolute uproar because it was bedtime and we had let the kids stay up a little bit past their bedtime. And this child wanted to read their scriptures and um, we're fine with that. It just, again, it was past bedtime. And so we were both Kelsey and I were like, well, maybe you can read them in the morning. It's, it's too late tonight. Um, Cause we, we want to honor and respect their, you know, what they want. Um, but this child proceeded to tell us that if they didn't read their scriptures, he, uh, they were going to go to hell where the devil is because God wouldn't love them. And um, it just, it's infuriating to me that our children are being taught these things at such a young age. And so Kelsey and I are trying to figure out, okay, how, how, how can we teach our kids that there are other forms of spirituality and how can we teach them to connect with um, their intuition and their own sense of authority and um, teach them other forms of spirituality that, that, so that they can see that there's not just one way. There's just, you know, so I'm open to any thoughts or suggestions. Uh, tricky thing, right? Like religion operates on shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Religion operates on promising you that it has the answers about the unknown <clears throat> and and so because it has the answers, it has the way and, and you have to follow the way and it has to shame you and guilt you into obedience to that way. Um, and it does provide some good things too. Uh, but those, those good things aren't unique to religion. They can be found outside of religion as well. And so I, I don't know that I'm an expert in this because I've, our family deconstructed at the same time. And we all just kind of walked away from this system, but I, I think exposing your kids to, data and facts and cool experiences in the world without pushing them to believe one thing or another, just expose it to them. So right. um, exposing to them, you know, for instance, you were watching some of these videos uh, about how beautiful the earth is. The one was directed by Will Smith or, or mm -hmm. narrated by Will Smith. Mm -hmm. And just watching those videos for me expanded my view of the universe and of the planet. And, I start to realize like, Oh, like even if I still want to kind of believe that there's a particular kind of magical being in the sky who takes care of all my wants and needs as I obey him and ask for things. The reality is it just gets more complicated with that than that. The more data and information I put into my awareness. And so I think just exposing these kids without any pressure to believe one thing or another, like let them have their ground. And it's always, and it's almost always the parent who doesn't believe anymore, who has to cave in and allow the parent who believes to still have the religious ground with the child. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't know how you navigate that. 
I don't either. And it feels infuriating um, because it seems like in our experience, um, no matter what we expose the kids to, whether that's different culture or, you know, nature and, and videos about uh, nature and scientific things, they they can watch all of that and still dismiss it uh, because of the religious system. And so it's it's at times frustrating because that's their default and it, I don't understand why that's the default when there there's so much other um, proof otherwise yeah. does that make sense yeah my my is, brain go ahead go ahead no no you go ahead it's it's frustrating because like you said we're the ones that are having to default to allow um, the religious system to dictate their belief and nothing, nothing we do or say, uh, it's it's useless to try and fight it, and it's useless to try and argue. Um, but they they're the ones that get to hold that ground, and it's 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 not fair because the things that they're being taught are harmful, and it's extremely derogatory, especially towards Kelsey and I in a lesbian relationship. I yeah. Mean, look at look at everything that's happened the last couple of weeks with BYU. Yeah, deeply unhealthy. Uh, for those who are listening who don't maybe know the story, BYU changed its wording in its uh, in its official rhetoric to its students that it removed the words that homosexual uh, dating was uh, bad or sin or wrong or reason to get rid of a student and get rid of them out of the school. And so the students, <coughs> excuse me, the students thought that they now, for those who were LGBT, that they could now date. And the school was reinforcing that by when the kids would ask, they would say, yep, that's changed. You can date. You just can't express yourself sexually, which you couldn't in a straight relationship either on BYU campus. And so it seemed like there was some equality and fairness and that the religion that runs BYU was shifting. And the reality is that about a week later, the, the church and the school uh, because they're they are essentially in bed together on these things, uh, essentially retracted um, that space and said our words have changed, but how we implement these policies has not. And I feel really bad because for LGBT students who are on BYU's campus, they've now announced to the entire student body and faculty that hey, I'm gay, and thank you so much for letting me date now. And now it gets retracted, and now these students have to be scared to death. I would. They have to be in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in regards to your kids, like my brain, literally, my brain was not able to think rationally and critically about things that I held as beliefs until I was 30 years old. I, and so I think to some degree, you know, you, your kids just have to be exposed to a lot and have time. Yeah. So we'll see. Sucks. It does. It does. And uh, when you have a, when you have divorces and you have uh, one side of that divorce wanting to raise the kids a certain way and the other side of the divorce, what doesn't want to raise the kids that certain way and how you negotiate that uh, is probably one of the most messy, complicated things on this planet um, to navigate. Yeah. It, Kelsey and I just decided like we, we just have to be the kind of parents um, that their dads are not, you know, we have to show the kids that we love them and accept them no matter what path they decide to go on and, and whether that's religious or non-religious. But I'm telling you, it's one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Yeah. When you're inside a system and you have to promote that system, there is definitely a difference between um, 
guilting or shaming your kids if they do anything other than your system and being the kind of parent that says, here's lots of ways to live out being a human. So long as you don't manipulate people or cause harm to people, um, you should feel free without any pressure from me to live your life as a human a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think as your kids get older, they will see that dichotomy um, and benefit. We've got a, a comment here from Cassidy. Cassidy says, I feel like it's a bit, it's a long con. I try to teach my kids how to feel what it, I'm sorry, let me try to say this again. I try to teach my kids how to feel what is true to them. Exposing them to other places and people has started many critical thinking conversations. The older my kids get, the more they feel where they are loved and safe. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, Bill, I was having a hard time waking up this morning. You know how it goes. You stay up too late partying or hanging out with friends. And then you've got to get up early to record a podcast. So what do we do in those instances? And on every other day of the week? Coffee. Red Roca Coffee. It helps you and me as we're awakening in the morning. My favorite brew is Heathens or Good Mojo. And sometimes I like it hot. In the summertime, every once in a while, I'll drink it cold. Red Roca Coffee is a small family-owned business here in the United States. If you need a cup of joe to help you awaken, give Red Roca Coffee a try. We're sure you'll like it. We're sure you'll like it. That's Red Roca, R-O-C-A, coffee.com. When you place your order, put in the code AWAKE. A-W-A-K-E. You'll get a 10% discount, and you'll get free shipping on orders over $30. Check out Red Roca Coffee today. Again, Red Roca Coffee. For those times when you need help awakening. Um, so let's do it. Let's hit this topic that is going to, you and I are going to debate this. Grab your buckets because you're probably going to puke. Okay, everybody. So there's 13 <laughs> people watching right now. Please stay in this because you're going to love this. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. Why I masturbate my profoundly disabled son. Now, there there are two – so here's the problem. Life is messy and complicated, and there are always two sides to things. As I've gotten older, Mikel, I'm 41 years old. As I look at politics, I no longer think Democrats have all the answers. I no longer think Republicans have all the answers. I now know it's it's a mess, and there is bullshit – and good ideas on both sides. Um, but you and I came across this story. We've, we've talked about this with some of our it's, friends in our it's group. It's been like a year and a half ago, and I still, I nothing's changed. Yeah, so let's talk about it, and let's both share our points of view. And I would love for people watching right now, and listeners, if they're, you listen to the audio later. They're already going um, I'd love to know your, yeah, I mean, you already have uh, <laughs> uh, Jolene going, um, um, okay. That's cray cray. So, Here's the story. This this uh, man who is you severely should've, you should have blocked what's names. that should have blocked names because I worry about um, like I never want to shame or or promote hateful comments about things that people choose to do. So I don't want anybody that we that's like listening to us to go send this person hate mail or. No, and this guy, this guy intentionally is trying to wait, raise awareness about this specific issue. Um, he's put himself out there for the sole purpose of somebody needed to initiate this conversation, and he's doing it. So I don't think, I don't think he's opposed. I think he wants these kinds of conversations to occur and for us to wrestle with this. So let's at least give the background and let's talk about it. So the background is that this this uh, man on the left. Um, is physically and mentally disabled. And his father, 
takes care of him in their home. And they live, I forget what country they live in, um, but they live in a place where they don't have access to great medical care. And so he's raising his son. His son has gotten older. Talks about, I mean, if you read the story, I'll share the link here. Let me put the link uh, in the comments so people can go there themselves when they've got time. Um, we've talked about like the right and wrong of this and, and how we see the world differently on this side of things and whether it impacts how we perceive the story. But as this kid got older and he's now an adult man being watched by his father, he can't take care of himself. He has to be fed and bathed and, and all of that. This, this 30 year old man still has sexual expression. He still gets erections. He still has a sexuality. And um, the father says his IQ is likely at 20 or below. You see that right in the middle of the page right here. Um, and, And so uh, he goes, he can't talk to express language. He makes a variety of sounds to communicate his emotional feelings of joy, happiness, satisfaction, pleasure, pain, anxiety, boredom, hunger, etc. He would make gurgling sounds of laughter and smile to indicate his happiness. Um, And then I'll get down here to the story. At around uh, the age of 17 years old, whenever I used to bathe my son or change his diapers or apply uh, physiotherapy and massages, my son started to express his sexual feelings by means of having an erect penis. Um, He then says in this next paragraph, he says, when I first encountered my son's sexual awakening, I asked myself, hang on, what should I do about my son's sexual expression? I decided the best thing was to see what professionals were advising parents and caregivers of children uh, in similar circumstances in recognizing their child's sexual awakening and then to act on the advice given. He says, I discovered a consensus amongst professional opinion that all persons with disabilities are sexual human beings and have equal rights to sexual expression. I also discovered that the most prevalent form of sexual expression for individuals with severe or profound uh, mental retardation was masturbation and that masturbatory expression was considered to be both therapeutic and important for the overall growth and development of individuals with disability. And he says, look, I live in a place where I don't have access to anybody to come into the home and do this for him. And so my only option is either to ignore this facet of him or to help him express it myself. And so this father, uh, let me see here. We can get to the spot. He talks about, first of all, sex work uh, is illegal in South Africa. That's where he lives. Secondly, it implied additional financial resources and the burden of payments on top of the high cost of looking after all the needs of my disabled person needs of a disabled person that I can ill afford. And thirdly, I'm not aware of any sex workers in South Africa who are trained to provide for the sexual therapy requirements of persons with disabilities. It was at this stage that I soon came to realize that there was no alternative way to provide the therapeutic masturbation that my son needed other than to apply the therapeutic masturbation on my own. So Mikkel, so this dad feels like he is carrying out Uh, his fatherly concern for his son by helping his son express the sexual part of his identity through masturbating him. Um, Again, it's a strange story, but it really puts all of us humans in a space of like wrestling with what is right and wrong. Uh, Your thoughts. Consent. Um, I, I just don't think that the son is in a place mentally to be able to provide true consent. Um, and so I, to me, it's abuse. 
that cut and dry. Just that's it. It's, it's abuse. So the son seems to and again. This is a father, and I and again, I'm, I'm going to take the other side of this. He he seems, but uh, that's the father's perception. The the person he's caring for is severely mentally handicapped, and so how can his noises, etc., be interpreted correctly without any verbal any any verbal uh, cues? Yeah. Um, I take the other side of this argument in that I, th- I really think like, again, we could say like, look, this guy is a pedophile. He, cause there are people who molest their own kids, which I can't even, to me, it's the worst. Like I, I was a shitty parent. Um, uh, and by the way, you're, you don't stand alone. Mikkel Jolene says, I have to agree a hundred percent with Mikkel. Um, I was a shitty parent at times and I cannot for the life of me understand how another human being could touch their own child in sexual ways. Like that is like the, the lowest of all the lows of humanity. And so I don't want to give cover to people who think that way and feel those feelings and use something like this as a way to do that. On the other hand, as I read this entire article and I read this entire article when you and I found it at whatever, like you said, a year and a half ago, um, I feel, I feel this father's sincerity and I sense, uh, I sense in, in this father, uh, deep concern for his son, and I sense in this father um, a a awareness that his child's life could be made better, and it's already damn hard enough. And, and I'm go ahead. And I would say he's a manipulative bastard. Yeah, see, I I I don't see that. I see a man who um, is trying to provide the best life for his child that he can. And this was the this was an avenue that he saw. And by the way, he's not alone. Like he points to, and, and we could find them. There are plenty of experts who see this as a um, a healthy way to approach those with mental and physical disabilities. And he indicates that again, as you're pointing to, like we don't know for sure what's going on in this kid's head, this man's head, because it is an adult male at this point. Um, we don't know what's going on in his head, but this person, this human being gives the noises and body language that seem to indicate that he is benefiting at least in his life experience of overall like happiness and joy and content with this happening. It's abuse because he can't give consent. He can't verbalize. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's abuse. I think it's abuse. To, to again, I, I man, I, like, could you do that? Like, uh, our friend Chris, uh, Chris and I have been in conversation all the time. Like, can could you do that? And I couldn't do it. Um, Chris couldn't do it. Um, but if I perceived that this was a need that my physically, mentally handicapped child, dis- disabled child needed, I would try to find a way for someone outside to come in and take care of this for them. Um, I, I would. I'd try to solve this issue. Why is it an issue? It's an issue because he, this dad can see that this child, this, he's, this man child. He's having a biological reaction to be Yeah, but, but he also. It's, 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 it's biological. He can't control what is happening to his body. No, but, but he can tell that the kid is agitated. He can tell that his child is un, unhappy and frustrated with unable, the inability his, to express this part of him. Because his dad is touching him. No, no, no. The before touching. The before touching, Mikkel. The kid is frustrated. 
the kid's getting an erection and he can't do anything about it. And he, because his dad's washing him, maybe he's uncomfortable with the way his dad is washing him. And so he's expressing his frustration and his irritation at one, maybe not being able to control his body and what's happening. And two, the person who's doing it to him. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. So we're, we're probably just going to have to agree to disagree, but I'd love to know if there's any other listeners out there, what you're thinking, you can leave your, your opinion in the comments. We'd love to love to hear from you. Um, I think life is way too messy to just with a broad brush, say like, Nope. Um, I think this kid's life, all evidence points to this kid being more happy and content with life by being able to express his sexuality. By whose perception? Um, experts in the field and has, his father. Uh, yeah, of course his father's going to say, yeah, he likes this. <laughs> so has Again, he been, uh, has yeah. he been a, like I would say, has he been evaluated by a professional to, to actually say like, yes, his level of contentment, his level of you know, satisfaction with life seems to be better based on what what's transpired. I don't know. I, I just think that it's fucked up. Uh, here's a quote at the end. It says, to be a human being is to be a sexual being. Sure. Although there may be a range of intensity varying over time, we all have sexual needs, feelings, and drives from the most profoundly handicapped to the most able among us. Although we can shape and misshape sexual expression, Sexuality is not an optional extra, uh, which we in our wisdom can choose to bestow or withhold according to whether or not some kind of intelligence test is passed. Sure. I, I agree with that. However, I disagree with the method that's being um, utilized in order to allow this disabled person to express his sexuality. I think, sure, have someone come in and, and stimulate him and whatever. I think that his father doing it is the the thing that's wrong. And I think that there's no real way to know based on his um, disability, what's real and what is misinterpretation of, of how he's responding. Sure. There's always the risk of us projecting on others um, what we think we see. And, but all we can do, all we can do at the end of the day is, do the best we can with the information available. And I feel like, assuming that his, father, his father's words are sincere, it feels like he's doing the best he can with the information that's available. Um, I think it's a fascinating story. First off, it's this taboo thing, right? Like dad's, dad's uh, masturbating his kid. Well, it's not um, really masturbation. No, it's no, it's no, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's the I'm wrong word, right? Yeah, he's jacking his son off. Um, but it, it compels us to wrestle with what are the rights and responsibilities? What's the rights of a handicapped person? What are the responsibilities of us towards them? Uh, Jolene says here, I don't think this could be considered masturbation though. This is the dad jerking him off. So there we go. You guys are on the same page. Um, I, I, I think if you want to like, if all of you who are listening, you're almost awake and take this story back to your friends and wrestle with this, like, I think all of us need to realize like what life looks like for other people and what access and limitations people have in different places. He's in South Africa. I don't think he can just go outside and like, Hey, you know, is there anybody out here who I could pay an extra 40 bucks a month? You could come take care of this for my kid. Um, But it's, it's a, it's a story that when we've thrown it out with friends of ours, it really 
puts people in different spaces defending different points of view with this thing. Yeah. Um, I think our buddy Chris agrees with me, and I'm, but I, I'm sure like if we go tonight, like I think we're all going to go do something tonight, right? Yeah, some of us. I'm... And so maybe we, maybe we can all ride together in a van and, uh, and we could talk about this on the way and see who's for and against this because I, I find the subject is fascinating because then you start to apply this to other things because this is so taboo, so out there that now anything else is like walking back from the ledge and having a more normal conversation. Um, anyway, I, I just think the story is interesting. Uh, and it, it's, it makes us all go like, mm, my immediate reaction is this, but let me think about it longer. But you're not budging. I felt this way from the beginning. It's- you did. You're not, and you have. I'll tell the audience. like This isn't just you and me playing sides of an argument. You felt this way from the beginning. Uh, a year and a half ago when we read this, we talked about it. And then you said, like, let me get back to you. And you thought about it for a couple of days and you came back and you said, like, no, I just can't get on board with this. There's something not right about this. And I'm going like, ooh, I'm really uncomfortable, but I think he's doing the right thing. And I would, I, I, it, it's, it makes me deeply uncomfortable, but my gut still is telling me it's, it's not, again, I don't disagree with the disabled person being a sexual human being. I, I disagree with how it's being carried out. It, it feels, it feels abusive to me. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know that I'll ever change my mind. You know, you and I yeah. have read lots of different books about sexuality and what was yeah. once considered taboo. Um, is, is yeah, you don't live in a small box. Like people, right. people need to hear that. You don't live in a small box. You understand the messiness of the world. Right. Oh, I, I, I can't claim to understand all of it, but I feel like I'm, I'm trying to continually expand and not, not put everything into a nice, neat little box because things don't fit. But I, I still feel like there, there's a level of, I don't know the word that I'm looking for. I just, it, it, feels off to me and I don't know that this disabled kid, this disabled man is able to give consent. And to me, consent is everything. So we'll just leave it at that. Do you not kid live expression of this big, important part of himself? So so there we are. We're on on the people um, here says, We'll wrap up here in a moment. The bill, the adult basically has the mental capacity competency of a baby. Let's say this was a baby. Do you feel the same? No, I don't feel it's no. the same. If it's a baby, um, that would be, that would be a whole nother discussion. Um, that would be completely wrong. Um, yeah, um, there's another, so I, I'm on board there with you, Jolene. There's another gal that said that Australia passed a law that any healthcare provider could not refuse deny to assist a disabled person with relief. She said, I was grossed out when I read this years ago, but my views have since changed. And I think that that's really interesting. Again, I, I don't disagree that this person is a sexual or should be denied any sexual expression. I just disagree with the father being the one to carry it out. So. Yeah. So if he can, if he can find somebody, that's, that's the way he is the only route to solve the problem is to have an outside person and again, we don't know, like there's no way to know inside this human's head. Is he, is he gay? Is he, well, is he straight? Is right. he like, and is that what he wants? Is that truly what he wants? Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Well then we'll just leave it at that. It's, it's kind oh. of, a, like I said, it's just a cool story to debate. Uh, what else is on your mind? What else is going on? How can I think about anything else after that last conversation? Now I'm all twisted up in knots and, <laughs> 
irritated and <laughs> frustrated and uh. <laughs> yeah so um yeah i don't know um yeah and i'm can, and i'm with you like find, i i couldn't do that can we find something happy to end on like a positive note? um i'm gonna have fun tonight with my friends i'm gonna go out and have a good time i'm yeah, excited I, about uh, i'm excited about that I stopped by to see you yesterday at the pawn shop on our way home from. Thank you, by the way. The- you always do that. That's you're really good at that. You always stop by and you check in and you see how I'm doing and you give me a hug and like you're you're a good friend. Like you you treat me in a way that I sense like oh she cares and she's concerned and always making sure I'm okay. Whenever I don't feel good, you and Kelsey drop cookies off. Or if you know something's going on hard in my life, um, I see you guys love bombing my wife or love bombing me. And we have other friends that do that. Like, like the love and concern is just, it's impressed me. And I like living out being a human with people who are doing this human thing really well. Well, thanks. I, I, I love people. I want to explain to our listeners what a love bomb is. So um, oftentimes, it, it gets really, life gets really stressful. And so we, I, I've made a personal commitment to let my friends know or other people I know in my circle um, that I'm thinking about them and that I love them. And so periodically throughout the week, it's really simple. It takes two seconds. I will text someone the heart and a, the bomb emoji. And it's just a love bomb. It's just a way to let people know that I'm thinking about them and I love them. And the idea came to um, how it got started was our friend Chris Finnegan, and uh, he was like, you know what, we should, we should like love bomb each other. And so I credit him. He's such a good human being, and uh, I look up to him and hope I can be as good of a person as he is. He is like one of the most loving and least judgmental people I know besides uh, Corey Reese. Corey Reese and I got in an argument <laughs> last week at Natalie's party. Uh but those two guys are some of the most loving, least judgmental people I know. So love bomb the shit yeah. out of each other this week. Yeah, yeah. And you do you guys do it at the right time. Like my wife and I, like whatever it is, something will be going on and she'll be a little down. And you guys will send her a love bomb and she'll immediately text me and go, did you tell them something? I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't say a word. I didn't say anything. Like, uh, And I haven't, right? Like I've never come to you and said mm-hmm. like, hey, my wife needs a love bomb today. Nope. Um, never. And you I guys just, just seem to sense, like our friends just seem to sense, like, hey, I haven't met, reached out to so-and-so, and I feel like they could use it today. Um, it's almost like you're inspired from like a magical being up in the sky to do these things. I, I would give credit to that if it were real, but it's not. It's just me. It's my own <laughs> intuition, and I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Hartman.